It's been over a year now since In The Key Of Q launched. In our archive, you can find over 50 interviews of queer musicians from around the world and hear their music from rap Unaware of my proclivities to self-sabotage to country soul and rock. These episodes are available on the main feed. You can access them via the website at inthekeyofq.com or wherever you normally listen to podcasts. I think you just realize how much of queer life and also music life and kind of just going out and everything is so wrapped around and attached to alcohol and drugs. Hello, I'm Dan Hall. When I grew up, I almost never heard pop songs where openly queer men sang about their truths, and it made me feel invisible. There were the occasional heroes like Jimmy Somerville, Mark Almond, and Andy Bell, but in the tsunami of 1980s heteronormative pop, I felt silenced. But these days, there are plenty of songs where I can hear openly queer men singing their truths, and this podcast is all about finding and sharing this music and speaking with the musicians who create it. Music helps us feel connected, feel heard, and know that we are not alone on our queer journey. You're listening to In the Key of Q. My guest this week released his first suite of singles in 2020, which included Burn Me, Build This House Again, and the super catchy Sunrise. He studied classical music at Edinburgh Napier in Scotland, and listening to his vibe, there are most definitely influences of Elton John and Erasure's seminal Wonderland album. And that's more than fine by me. And he also presents a fantastic queer music podcast himself called Venn's Quop, which is available exclusively on Spotify. A big welcome to Venn Smith. Venn, hello. Hello. Lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Daddy's gone and left his body behind. His mind flies awake and face erase the demon dancing inside. He drinks to fuel his pride Hold it close We need to fill it up We need to fill it up With something more Hold it close We have to bring it up We have to raise it up Reach in, reach out We've got enough Love To build this house again Reach in, reach out We've got enough Love to build this house again Reach in, reach out Reach in, reach out Reach in, reach out We've got enough Love to build this house again Mother's Luke King, but they all Well, I am, uh, I guess, a singer-songwriter at heart, really. Um, I've always been interested in music ever since kind of a young age and always interested in kind of making stuff up really and uh kind of telling stories through song i think that's where i always try and go and but then with uh the ep that you mentioned from last year um build this house again the tracks and that i think i sort of fully allowed myself to to go kind of queer and like very much pop and kind of produced and um i always kind of wanted to do that but i think i was maybe perhaps held back slightly by at myself or um being a bit more of like a live performer as opposed to like a recording artist um but then whatever whatever aligned itself <laughs> it's going to make that happen that's what um that's what came out in this this time and um i'm very much enjoying the ride going with this kind of more pop uh, side of stuff that's happening now but ven what do you think was initially holding you back then 
You know, I think, um, I guess it's like you're just being kind of brave and sort of saying exactly what you like and what you want to, what you actually want to make and not, and I guess always just worrying about what, you know, what other people think. And I guess, you know, a lot of that comes from, as in many queer people, just, you know, not being able to do that for so many years. So I think it kind of it winds its way into so much stuff that I think you just keep on unpicking that as you go along. Um, but also, I think uh, outside of the kind of queer music scene, um, the music industry can be a bit of a scary place, like at times, as well, like, you know, like going in to play gigs wherever they might be. And just um, they can be kind of slightly unforgiving places sometimes as well. And, you know, when you're trying to sing songs that are really quite personal to you with queer undertones, I guess is you maybe sometimes you feel like you have to hold back a little bit. I'm very much a guitar and possibly a bit of a folk, <laughs> folky person at heart also. Um, and like, that's where I always start songs. Like, and also that's where I love to take songs as well. So even if you've heard just one of my tracks, which is, you know, synthy, poppy, whatever you want to describe it. Um, I'd love you to come along to a show and then see how I can strip that back um, as well. So that's why I, I love to play about your songs, which is why I've really enjoyed getting remixes as well of my tracks, because it, it just excites me so much to ha like to give my song to somebody else and like let them go away and turn it into something completely different, which I would never have envisioned. What does it feel like when something you have written bounces back to you in a completely different interpretation and, and almost takes on a life of its own? I, I love it. Like, I, I think it's, uh, for me, it's really exciting. Um, and I think, I don't know if everybody feels that way. I definitely, some people do, I'm sure, but I think quite a lot of people quite like to control exactly what it kind of comes up in the terms of a remix and they have a very one set sound and like, um, but I guess maybe, I don't know where that, I think it's maybe because I kind of perhaps approach things from a bit more of a kind of compositional, I don't know, just song basis, as opposed to like, production is not my background. So like I'm in awe of production. I love, love trying new things and hearing new things and like love people kind of doing their own spin and stuff. Um, and all that really excites me. We have listeners from all across the world, many of whom I'm sure have never visited the United Kingdom or have any idea of what the United Kingdom is like. Bearing that in mind, could you tell us a bit about your childhood? Yeah, of course. Uh, so I grew up in Scotland. Um, so central Scotland, like in like a small village in, in rural central Scotland. Um, very beautiful place, very idyllic, um, out in the countryside, surrounded by sheep and hills. <laughs> um, and in a really small primary school, we've we only had like 60 kids in my school only had like about eight people in my year. Um, and yeah, very much, uh, very kind of family, everyone was each other's business kind of area. Um, and then coming out of that, I think growing up as a child, it was amazing you know i'm so grateful for to have grown up as a young child in that area um becoming a teenager slightly more challenging 
as then you get to meet other people from other villages is where we kind of all grew, came together into this one place. Um, and then sort of that struggle to try to find yourself in a community that's quite small in many ways. And what year would this have been roughly, just to give us an idea of whether you had you would have had the internet or not? Um, so going into my like a secondary school, like high school, that would have been around about just after the millennium. So it was, yeah, it was like, it was there, but well, sort of lear- we were learning, learning and using it as it kind of happened, I think, as I became a teenager very much. So, yeah. For, for listeners who don't know anything about the United Kingdom, could you maybe talk a little bit about what Scottish, to you, Scottish identity means and how it might differ from a Welsh identity or a Northern Ireland identity or an English identity? Yeah, I guess like, so Scotland's got a really strong national identity um, and grow, so growing up Scottish is always, that's it, that you very much, you're Scottish first and foremost over being British. And for many people, they would even argue if they were British, <laughs> particularly uh, looking at now and kind of, and how there's, you know, calls for independence um, sort of continuing to happen. I feel very proud of being Scottish. And I think that's probably quite a common theme. I'd say that people are proud to be, to be Scottish and to be part of, of Scotland. Um, and there's also, you know, great traditions in terms of music as well, like in terms of traditional Scottish music and folk and dance and everything that comes from that as well. Um, and that's something that you learn in schools as well. So that's kind of drilled into you a little bit as well. You have this very, what sounds like very idyllic, rural upbringing as a child, but then into a more challenging space as a teenager. For you, what were some of those key moments in, in your teenage years? Yeah, kind of uh, being really like not confident within myself like at all when I kind of went from the, the, the wee school to the big school. It was such a, it's such a big change and suddenly you're not in this little kind of safe, quite like family supported environment. And suddenly you're there with loads of other kids from loads of different backgrounds, loads of different places. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just remember like kind of immediately, you know, there's that thing and it's just like kids can do this so quickly. It's like they can find before you even know it yourself, they know there's something different about you and they can kind of like zip right into that hone right into that before you even realize that. And that definitely happened with me. And what did they flag up as being different? Can you remember? Yeah, the, the way that I acted, the way that I spoke perhaps as well. Um, I used to be made fun of because I really liked music and music was not a cool thing to have liked then as well. So that was immediately a bit gay because I liked music. <laughs> um, and also my brother, two years older than me, um, had had a similar and was going through a similar thing. So he would used to get picked on a lot for, for being gay. He is also gay as well. So it was just the two of us in our family. Um, so, but again, at that point, I'm not even sure that he knew he was, but I already had a legacy of having this gay brother. So coming into high school, I was already like terrified <laughs> of that because I knew that he was kind of having a hard time. And then it was kind of just like, it was almost like the path was already set for me to sort of experience some of the same things. And then even to my family as well, you know, I was just like, would just be quiet and wouldn't really talk communicate. Um, which is like, you know, when you think about it, it's just like, that's 
that's quite a big thing really, isn't it? I feel like I'm still kind of like, over, like figuring that out as well. I think my go-to is sometimes to just be like, I just shut off. And I, when I can't, when I feel I can't really like explain what I want to say or communicate, that's just, that's a, it's a bit of an easy place to kind of retreat back to. I know it probably sounds cliched, but like, honestly, like, like music has, had always been part of what I loved, even as a younger kid as well. And so like writing, not necessarily music, but even like writing, writing, like, you know, writing stories. I always used that as a young kid, poetry as well. I definitely was always doing that. And I kept diaries as well, um, which, uh, (laughs) there's still some, dotted around everywhere probably makes some interesting reading but yeah so i used to just write a lot um and get get my thoughts out that way and which eventually kind of, i guess kind of turned into like songwriting um through some amazing te- sort of teachers who are able to i guess kind of see that and hone those skills with me um but yeah definitely that and then you know there were there were friends as well and i think i made sort of, sort of stronger relationships with only a few people as I never had like a big group of friends. Um, but those individual relationships were really kind of crucial to me, particularly in those high school years. Um, as I kind of got older and they, I guess, kind of helped me, I don't know, find myself a little bit, bring me out of my shell. If you could think back to a, to a moment when that boy is walking home or waiting for the bus, having had a really terrible time, what would you say to that kid now? That you can talk about how you're feeling and that it's okay to kind of do that and to find, find people that you can speak with and that that will help. So don't feel you have to kind of deal with all these feelings yourself um, and that there are people who will understand and that can kind of help you or even just be there to kind of listen to talk about stuff and just that it's better letting these things out instead of just keeping it all to yourself and you don't have to be so don't have to be so brave all the time it's all right to let the cracks show um and that's how you can learn about yourself and that's how you can i guess grow and heal a little bit as well by actually you know letting some of that stuff out so can you tell us what going to university was like? I mean, I'm a bit more sure of myself by that point. I had come out and um, I took a year out before I went to university to um, essentially go and live in Glasgow <laughs> um, and be gay. <laughs> That's probably how I describe it to be honest. I basically w- went and lived in Glasgow, thought I was going to become a pop star. So I used to do all the open mics I could, um, but then discovered uh, gay bars and gay people and had a great, well, I say a great time. I'd say that I had a really learning, a steep learning curve of all of that. Um, well, I, you, I have to say from my own experience, Glasgow has got a lot of very beautiful buildings and a lot of very, very, very handsome men in it. So <laughs> I, I can see why you, you would turn see. up in Glasgow for a year to become a pop star. And actually, all you do is drink and get laid. Oh, yeah. It is basically what happened. Yeah. 
and worked in um, <laughs> works in the bean scene, uh, which was a coffee shop back in the I don't know if that still exists, but um we called it the bean scene. We also uh often known as the queen scene as well because it attracted <laughs> lots of homosexuals to come along and drink coffee. Um <laughs> so I spent a lot of time doing that. Um, which I think by the time I got to university then I felt like I I, I was much more kind of I don't know, just aware of who I was. It's only me in this room. Sleep and fear, dust I consume. So I wait for the rain to wash me away. Oh, I wait for the rain, but it never ever comes desire have locked in my bones sorrow i've made it my home funny to forget where i'm from strange to realize you're gone and then it went i was it was quite a I guess not the usual sort of university experience because I was in quite a small uh, classical music school, like attached to the university. Um, so it was, you know, a small cohort of us that were in our little group. I feel like I kind of ended up in classical music because that was the more sensible option. Music was an absolutely crazy idea to my parents. Um, but, you know, they did, they were like, okay, if you're going to do that, at least try and, you know, do the the classical one, which I am glad that I did, because um, I think it gave me a really good grounding and understanding of the structures of music, um, and it gave me other skills as well that I've been able to use in terms of being able to teach and being able to compose and use music in different ways. So you graduated out of university, and what happened next? Possibly had a conf- uh, a crisis of like, oh no, what am I actually going to do with this music degree? Um, and how do I actually do music um, in re- in real life? So, which I feel has kind of continued into where I am these days. Um, so I was like, oh shit, I need to do like lots of other things as well. So I think that's where I ended up getting into youth work. Uh, did workshops in schools um, about sort of tackling homophobia um and did sort of like campaigning stuff as well so like that was a really amazing opportunity um that i kind of just randomly fell into that was that that was actually connected to high school that i ended up kind of getting into all of that with one of these allies that we spoke about earlier who was actually my first girlfriend then she became a lesbian and now she's a nun actually so you know (laughs) i don't think we're ever destined to be together (laughs) I think that's a fantastic thing to do. I used to do HIV youth work uh, in the 90s here in London. And I don't think I've ever had a job that was more satisfying, more frustrating as well, but more satisfying. I do have a family. My parents love and support me and my gay brother. And actually that, although it was challenging at times, I've got a really good support network with that. And that so many of the young people that came through our doors did not at all um and were you know made homeless were you know attacked were whatever was going on having some really difficult times um also the thing my favorite thing though was actually just going into schools um and doing the workshops which is really weird because obviously as i was talking about before i was terrified as a you know teenager going into school 
then somehow flat, fast, you know, fast forward a few years, I was like, yes, what do you want to do? Yeah. I want to go into schools and tell people I'm gay and then have, have their, have them ask me all these questions about whatever they want to ask. Was there something there, do you think, no, in, in setting free a demon? Because one of your music videos does a similar thing, doesn't mm. it? You go back into the school space and be the person that you are not allowed to be in it. So that track's called Burn Me. The song in itself was just about, uh, yeah, breaking down some of those barriers to confidence or to whatever that we can build up around ourselves. Um, and the, so the video, I ended up yeah, going into primary school and um, sort of being a school kid, essentially, and just running around this, this school along to the, to the song and like sort of being a kid once again. Picture I see of myself All these notes kept on the shelf when I was young, I was soaring high. But when did I become scared of the sun? Desire have lost in my bones. Sorrow have made it my home. Funny. It's funny, like thinking about it now, because actually, that the there was so many different ideas for that video, and this this actually ended up happening by chance because the other ideas could kind have of fell through, and that was like, okay, I've got a school <laughs> and nothing else, and I was like, okay, fine, I can make this work, I can find a school uniform, and then, but actually, it was like it was almost like it was meant to kind of be in a weird way that I was like, oh, actually, like this is totally what this song is about, and. Um, and it was, yeah, it was really nice to kind of see people kind of pick up those messages when I didn't explicitly kind of talk about them, really. It was just, it was a song and a music video. Um, but then people were able to put those bits of the puzzle together. And, and actually, uh, one of the people that I went to school with messaged me after I'd put that song out. And he was like, ah, like, hey, you know, I'm gay now as well. And like, um... But yeah, that was a bit of a tough time in school, wasn't it, for us? <laughs> At sometimes he's like, I love like loved your music video. Like that was cool. It's like, oh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I think a lot of us leave our childhoods with with scars. You know, you what you've spoken about is is an experience which many people I'm sure listening to can identify with that mixture of real happiness, but real challenges, moments of liberation, moments of feeling suffocated. Uh, and then I think Certainly for me, I I found the lack of having a sexual and romantic sandpit in my teens was hugely missed. Mm. That I had to, I couldn't have any proto relationships because I wasn't really able to have them, and I'd have to have them via pop songs. Uh, it's why I loved Stockake and Mortimer. I used to imagine that's what you know, a three and a half minute song from Sonia was what I imagined a three-week relationship was like, which my heterosexual counterparts were having in playgrounds, of course. Um, yeah. Do you feel that entering adulthood or even as an adult now, you are still carrying any of those, any of those scars? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Um, 
and yeah, it depends which day of the week, which which <laughs> which ones will be kind of coming through. I think. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot a lot of it to do with, with just how I relate to people. I think, and I'm trying to, I guess, trying to work on that. I think a big one for me is actually like, is like friendships also almost like almost like not like not really believing friendships and like always like uh because i never really could as a teenager even as a child as well i think it was quite a sort of happy but pretty lonely lonesome character i would say um i was always up in my own head you know being creative and making stories and stuff but um so yeah sometimes i uh find that maybe I'm, I shut myself off from people a little bit too much sometimes. And then I can have to remind myself, oh yeah, like I can actually be social um, and that I can make friends. It's not always, people aren't always <laughs> out to get me. That sounds really dramatic, but I think even like, you know, in work in, in any, any interaction as well, I think sometimes I, like that's always in the back of my mind. It's like, wait, but what's the, what's underneath this interaction here, how are they trying to get, get at me? <laughs> um, but you know, I think I'm not, I can now recognize that and I can try and try and stop that sometimes. So burn, 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 burn me So I can run, run, run free So and fear dust I consume so I wait for the rain to wash me away oh I wait for the rain but it never ever comes I found that I very much carried a lot of issues with me not only about queerness but about being kind of the fat kid and and just that sense of of entering into adulthood and still seeking validation you know really toxically using sex for a lot of my adult life not because i'm horny but because i seek validation and don't believe i'm attractive and and i'm you know i'm 48 now and i'm starting to think i really need to start getting over this shit yeah well it's a bit difficult isn't it i mean <clears throat> like this yeah do you ever, I think maybe you just, you can, you can understand it and hopefully try and like stop the patterns before they happen. But yeah, I mean, yeah, if you've got all that stuff potentially that you've got in childhood, teenage years, and then if you do experience in a queer community nightlife, it's like immediately sex and alcohol. And I've been doing that ever since. <laughs> um, and it, like more and more, I sort of, I'm seeing people now questioning that and questioning the yeah the alcohol and the sex and the relationships and everything as well and it's like it's a, pa it's a pattern that i'm now noticing I'm like okay maybe i need to look at some of that myself as well and why do you think people are starting to question that um i don't know i mean i think this last year has also maybe just put a, is you know it's a big moment for everybody to kind of question a lot of things but um 
I think you just realize how much of queer life and also music life and kind of just going out and everything is so wrapped around and attached to alcohol and drugs. And that like, that's how you have a good time. And we must be having a good time all the time. Um, and that's one of the ways to do it. Um, or sometimes the only way to do it. So where have you found those alternatives? I ended up going to this queer, uh, outdoor kind of holistic festival thing called soul pride um very randomly ended up going by myself um for a series of you know whatever uh, events <laughs> ended up by there by myself on my birthday but you know it was just like exactly what i needed at that time um and it was yoga and healing and aligning my chakras and at some point i'd been like what on earth is this what is going on but regardless of whether you believe in any of that stuff actually it was just it was a place where people were connecting with each other. Um, and it was a sober event as well. So there was, that wasn't the main method to connect with people. Do you think we do have an ability as a, as a queer community to be friends without fucking each other? Because there is that old adage, isn't there, that there's either people you fucked or people you haven't yet fucked. And when I look at almost all of my gay friends, they're people I've almost always slept with, almost to get it out of the way. Mm. Um, and maybe that's toxic. Maybe we need to learn different ways to connect. Yeah. Ooh, I, yeah, I don't know. I would like to think there are other ways to connect. But that certainly is one of, <laughs> one of the main ones. Or even, I don't know, even like some of these like things I'm talking about there as well. There's like, there's yoga, but it's naked yoga, or there's yoga that's got a bit of a tantric element to it as well. So actually, even if it is healthy in terms of not being fueled by drugs and alcohol, there's still some sort of sex element to it as well. And it is difficult in a way, because I suppose so much of our queer identity is tied up in sex. Mm. Uh, how we define ourselves is sort of defined by who we have sex with. Or is it, and should it be, that in fact, if we grew up in a less heteronormative society, if we grew up feeling less pressured, would our queer identities sort of be almost a little bit more of a, a neutral space? It wouldn't quite mm. be so much like us catching up and maybe going a bit crazy in the process. Because, I mean, there are, like, there are ways. So I used to sing the London Gay Men's Chorus um, when I first moved to London, actually. Like, that was an amazing way to meet 200 gay men that wasn't, I didn't meet them in a bar or on Grinder or whatever. Did I sleep with a few of them? Absolutely. Yes, I did. Um, but, but then I still made some friends as well that I didn't sleep with that are still my friends to this day. Um, so, you know, the, there are spaces that can be made that's possible. <laughs> I thought it was an ocean.
So, Ben, what do you think your 15-year-old self would think of you now? Um, I think he would be pretty... I think he'd be pretty amazed, actually, in many ways, in terms of kind of what I'm up to. Um, and I do often kind of... I sometimes use this as a way to remind myself <laughs> when I'm maybe I'm feeling a bit like, Ugh, of everything or like things aren't quite where I want to be. But actually, 15-year-old me would be like, what? You're living in London. You're making music and releasing music. You're chatting to someone on a podcast. You've got your own podcast. What? Um, and but all like more than that, like it's actually that you've just somehow managed to like, you're still doing music. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm not the the shining pop star that um I perhaps dreamed about, but I'm I'm doing I'm doing the thing. I'm doing the thing in music. And so I think he'd be pretty like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool, actually. Um, it's quite good to remind myself of that sometimes, I think. <laughs> and what queer artist are you listening to at the moment yourself? Oh, uh, loads. Um, so like with with my with my podcast of this, which has just kind of become a thing of this last year, like so um very much listening to loads of other independent queer artists, which uh now like fill up my my listening more so than ever before um and i absolutely love it i feel like if, I, if i'm making people listen to me i need to be also supporting other people who are doing the same thing as me as well and there's so much good music out there made totally like, independent totally. artists like so absolutely. i mean that was Isn't one point. of the gifts of doing this podcast oh. these podcasts is that we just end up listening to so much brilliant independent yeah. queer music like it's honestly like, i feel wow. like i yeah i feel like i don't listen to the big artists as, as much anymore like really um i mean oh i could give you like a whole huge big list of uh, everybody i mean probably all the people that you've had on your podcast already i'm pretty sure i probably listened and loved them um i was just listening to ash divine before um his thing with you i absolutely love what ash divine is doing oh his music is so oh, good isn't it so good um that his album sex issue amazing um tom aspel um that his so black country disco and then a black country discotheque remix like there's like that's how you do a remix album like ah oh, so good on repeat all the time um yeah i mean i i could go on but there's there's off the top of my head there's a couple that <laughs> i'm absolutely loving at the moment the song bye. 
there's a new section now on the podcast where I say to my guest, I'm going to give you two minutes. I'm going to give you a two-minute platform where I will guarantee to you that I will not get out my red pencil. You can oh, talk wow. about whatever you want, literally anything. You can talk about your favorite season of the Golden Girls. You can talk <laughs> about your podcast. It can be whatever you want. And you can start whenever you want. Well, so I'll expand slightly, I think, on my the conversations in the studio that created some of the EP from last year as well, because I think they were good conversations to have. And I'm really glad that I had them um, with producer Jack Gurley um, for a couple of the tracks. We, we chatted about loads of stuff about being queer um, and a lot of the stuff that we've spoken about today, actually, and kind of what that meant growing up, because I think he, as a, as a straight man, was really interested to hear what that experience was. And also, um, it led me into talking about kind of what the queer community is right now and what I saw as... Uh, areas where we could still improve as well, because I feel like um, I feel like queer people have a really unique position, um, particularly white cis queer people have a really unique position to kind of like uh, be able to pass in some ways into you know the big society, um, but understand what it means to be a minority. Um, in some way. So I feel like we're in a unique position to kind of ensure that as well as challenging um, things that we find challenging, we can also ensure that we're challenging other things that need to be challenged, such as racism, transphobia, sexism, whatever it may be. Um, and that conversation ended up creating the track Build This House Again, because uh, it was about us rebuilding they could have queer house to ensure that it was like even better than it was, uh, than it is or was before and that it should be even better. Um, and yeah, I think that's, I think that's always really important for me is that we're, uh, you never don't sit back, um, and ensure that you're supporting other people who need support as well. And that you're okay to kind of change and hold your hands up as well and be like, do you know what? I've got things wrong. Um, I've, I've been racist. I've been whatever, but actually I can change. And that's the only way that we're going to move forward anyway, is that if people kind of realize these things and change. Um, so I think that's, I don't, I don't have the answers at all. Uh, but I'm not afraid to say that I don't have the answers, or at least I hope I hope that I'm not afraid to say that and that I can kind of try and just listen and improve if we can. Now, Ven, for those people who have fallen in love with you, where can they find you online? Goodness, who are they? Let me know. Um, <laughs> uh, you can find me, V-E-N-N-S-M-Y-T-H, um, on Instagram, so at Ven Smith. Um, I'm on Twitter as well, same. Um, and, of course, on Spotify um, and all your listening hubs, wherever you may listen. Uh, that is where you can find me. 
and all my tunes. And then also my show, Ven's Quop, is on Spotify also. Now, Ven, we've been playing your songs throughout this episode, but we are saving the best till last. Um, now, this song is going to be the one that will make everybody fall in love with you and want to go back and listen to the songs that we've been playing on the show, but also listen to your future content. What would that gateway song be, do you think? Oh, you know, I, took, I was still like humming and hawing about which one <laughs> like to choose for this. Because um, your entire professional career now revolves around this decision. Lies on this one. Um, wait, can I change my mind from the one that I told you before? <laughs> oh, totally. You can play whatever you want. So I feel like I've already spoken about a few tracks now. As well. I was say, just to the audience, there is a preliminary <laughs> call that I do where, where where responsible artists keep to their promises, but <laughs> the irresponsible and creative ones change their minds. Uh, well, um, I feel uh, as a bit of a gateway to uh, the stuff that I've done so far. There you go. That's a that's a way to to talk about it. Um, in terms of this sort of synth pop arena that you might find yourself in, but with a song that has lyrics that are hopefully meaningful and not just kind of throw away um, and kind of relate to all the stuff that I've been talking about, really. Um, that track would be They Come For You, um, which was really me being like, yeah, I want something that's danceable, but actually the message behind it um, is something important, is in fact inspired by post-war poetry. So there you go put that in some synth pop and I think there's I think there's a combination of me in there somewhere that um, lyrics are really important to me um, but I also like to dance Under the city lights Streets you once knew Have turned and now You lose direction Can't find your own reflection But you just walk on by Don't look it in Keep on, keep on moving Time, what's on your hands? Now these hands are on your time Oh, I know you are feeling something I can feel it too This thing, it stirs in the water Ben, thank you so much for coming and joining uh, us here on In The Key of Q and sharing your music and sharing your story. It's been lovely to have you. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Sam. Many thanks for listening to this episode with Ben Smith. Remember to listen to him on the usual streaming platforms and find all sorts of links in the show notes. We have exclusive In The Key Of Q content over at patreon.com slash In The Key Of Q and there you can join other listeners by supporting the show's production costs for as little as five US dollars a month. Tell me what you thought about today's episode with Ven on social media using the hashtag queer music or email me direct on podcast at inthekeyofq.com. And rate and review the show on your podcast provider. It really helps. 
Our theme tune is by Pauline Needy at unstoppablemonsters.com. And thanks to Paul Smith, our PR guru. And of course, thanks to Kajen Kanther and Murray Lang for their support in making this episode. The show is presented and produced as ever by me, Dan Hall, and made at Pump Media Consultancy. And I'll see you next Tuesday. Thank you very much. And Ven, have a lovely evening. Thanks, Sandy.